Um, guys, I, I just want to start by reminding you of something. Um, I, I've said this a couple of times, but I just I think it's really a, a, a cool thing, and and I um, I hope you'll take advantage of it. We have a little bookstore here at Grace Event. You remember we used to have a big bookstore, but you kept buying your books on Amazon, so we we canceled that one, and because uh, we were losing forty thousand dollars a year, and we um, we've got a little one, you know, now, um, and the prices are just as good as Amazon's. There's only twenty two books out there. But every one of them are trustworthy. Every one of them was chosen by some kind of staff member here or some staff member here at Gracie Man. So you can trust those books out there. Um, you might want to uh, browse around and find you one that, uh, you know, some are on parenting, some are on marriage, some are on theology, you know, good stuff out there. Right out here, the, you know, we, it's such a corny t- term, but the book nook, you know, but that's what it is. It's a nook with books in it. So it's, um, I don't want you to forget that we have that. Also, uh, Bibles are available uh, if you need to buy one of those, too. You might want to need one of those. Um, I really don't need this tea anymore, but I like the look. <laughs> it makes me feel like Conan, you know, or something like <laughs> So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need to drink this, but just, you know, uh, I'm just going to hold it for <laughs> appearance sake. Uh, for those of you who are here with us on a Wednesday night for the first time, we're, we're doing this little five-week thing on the, on the topic and the, on the subject of assurance. It's, um, it is a, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that the people of God suffer needlessly as they, they seem to be um, hanging somewhere in between heaven and hell as they wrestle around their own souls. So I hope this will be of some assistance to you these, these weeks. Um, Last week, I mentioned to you that there are several places, five of them, in, in fact, in the New Testament where the author talks about full assurance. He uses the term full assurance. And there's one place where he talks about much assurance. But the whole idea of the possibility of full assurance, which is, uh, which is, avail- which is a possibility for the people of God, they, um, um, there, there's, not, uh, there's precious few that have anything approaching something called full assurance. So that's, that's a sadness. Um, you know, it, it seems that the courts of heaven may, may be settled, but in the court of my own conscience, the jury's still out. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be an heir. It's another thing to know that I am an heir. Um, it, is a, it is a great mercy of God that, that he would love me. That's one thing. But it's quite another thing to, to know that he loves me. So that's what we're talking about in this, um, in this little brief series before I head to India. Um, so um, hopefully there's enough information here that you can use that would uh, prosper your own soul. Now, guys, <clears throat> here's the first thing I want to tell you. Something that you need to be aware of. Assurance can be had and it can be lost. Um, you can have it at one season in your, in your spiritual life and lose it in another. Let me show you that. Um, uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, you might take a look at, at Psalm 18. Um, <clears throat> and, and by the way, we'll, we'll do a good deal of this, kind of bouncing around uh, in, the, in the text itself. But listen, listen to this guy. Um, who says this stuff. This is Psalm, um, 
Oh, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 18, 1. I will love you, Lord, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So uh, shall I be saved, my enemies. Now, what does that sound like to you? Does that sound like a guy who really does? Um, I mean, it sounds like a guy who's really settled in his own relationship with God. All right, keep your finger there and see if you can flip over real fast to... Um, Psalm 69. Psalm 69. Um, uh, let me read you, oh gosh, um, um, t- just two verses. Psalm 69, two and three. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for God. Now, guys, uh, Psalm 18 uh, was written by David. Um, I mean, great statements of his confidence and his assurance and his, and his well-being, et cetera, et cetera. Psalm 18. You go to Psalm 69, and guess who wrote that? David. Same man. Same man at one point in his spiritual life, he's saying, whoa, my, this is great. And then at another point at his, in his spiritual life, he says, you know, I'm weary with my crime. So much so that my throat is dry. Um, all I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is um, here's a man who had it and lost it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's a, that's a reality in the life of the Christian. You can be in a place where you do have a greatest sense of your own assurance, and then it can be lost. I'll tell you one place where, where I see people who, prior to this event, they're just walking in great confidence, but on their deathbed, no, they seem to struggle. I would almost guarantee you that you're all, we're all going to struggle because death is scary. There, uh, you know, in my grace group, we, um, we study the, the, uh, um, the John Bunyan's great work, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for years. But it's a, it's a story about a guy who comes out of the city of destruction. He becomes a Christian and he's headed to the celestial city. So he's, he's a guy that became a Christian and he's headed to heaven. And, and you get just different little vignettes of things that he experiences from the point of becoming a Christian to the point that he gets to the celestial city. But, but the chapter right before he gets to the celestial city is a depiction of, his name is Christian. Christian is crossing the river over into the celestial city. He's crossing the river. And the whole image is he's dying. And he gets to a place in the river where he is about to drown. And he is terrified. Here's a man who who is radically converted, um, fought the good fight, but he comes to his deathbed. And things are um, very difficult for him. And I would... um, 
I would say you'll be a rare bird if you do not find yourself wrestling with your own because the prospect of death is such a terrifying thing. Um, and I would say that if you don't think it's terrifying, that you would probably lie about other things uh, as well. But guys, um, all I'm, my point I'm simply making is you can, it can be had, it can be lost by the same man, by the same person. It can be had and lost. Um, your deathbed will, you maybe experience that, but there's other places, there's other, there's other times when it seems, when, when I seem to lose it. Um, if you still, if you're, look at Psalm 30. Psalm 30, verse 7. The psalmist says this, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. Um, we're going to talk about this further in a minute, but there are, there are seasons when God hides his face from you for his own purposes, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, you find that same theme in the book of Lamentations, uh, that, that it, it, it appears that God is on a journey someplace. He's gone, and I can't find him. He's hidden his face from you. Um, but there's, there's other things that rob you of a sense of assurance. Uh, Psalm 38. Listen to this. The, the psalmist says, um, oh, this is wonderful. Psalm 38, verse 2. For your errors pierce me deeply and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Now, guys, according to that statement by the psalmist, what was it that caused this sense of loss in him? His own sin. His own, God is angry at his, at, at sin. And as a result, <clears throat> I'm simply saying, guys, it can be had and it can be lost. There are, there are reasons, um, why God sees fit for a, uh, for a season to deny assurance to us as Christians. And then there are reasons, guys, why we forfeit it. And that's, what, that's my two points tonight. I simply want to show you some reasons why God sees fit on occasion to, to hide his face, to deny you assurance, to rob you of it. And then I want to show you the reasons that we, for our parts, we forfeit it. Okay? Those are just the two headings. First of all, some reasons why God sometimes sees fit for for at least for a season, to, um, to deny us assurance. Um, let me mention four or five reasons why, uh, why he does. Um, in a period of a troubled soul, it offers, offers us an occasion um, for us to exercise faith. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
Uh, we have got our lives so arranged that there are very there are precious few opportunities for us to simply trust God. You know, I, I, you know about my little venture, Susie and I's adventure in Budapest, Hungary, for three months back in two thousand and three. Uh, 2003, um, <clears throat> and and the thing that we saw there is that the, um, the thing that was so much fun eventually was that whole scaffolding that you build underneath your life that supports you got taken away from us. We didn't know how to buy gas. We didn't know how to make a phone call. We didn't know how to work a computer. We didn't, we didn't know how to buy groceries. I, I, we went to this little grocery store and we bought some groceries and I handed them dollars. And they, I'm telling you, they almost, I mean, they just hollered at me, snarled at me that I was offering him American money. We didn't know how to shop. We didn't know how to get gas. We didn't know how to call. We didn't know, how, there was no television in English and all that gets ripped away. And so what do you do? See, we don't need to trust God while we can trust Blue Cross Blue Shield. We don't need to trust God while I've been storing up stuff in my 401 for years. And so, God authors a set of circumstances where he robs you of it so that you will have an occasion, an opportunity to simply trust the promises contained in his word. You know, if I were to ask you between now and next week, just write down the opportunities that you've had in seven days to do nothing but live off faith in God's promises to you. I don't know that some of you would come back here with anything because we've got so much scaffolding underneath us. Then it props apart. One of the big pieces of scaffolding, ladies and gentlemen, is routine. What do you do on Friday mornings or Tuesday afternoons? Well, you know, you know I got to pick up the kids, and you know, I, but, but. so life works. We've got it so arranged that we never have to trust Him for much of anything, and so He robs us. He robs us of peace. So that we'll have an, an occasion to trust him. That's one of the reasons. Here's another reason. During those periods where he, where he sees fit to interrupt your peace, it's, a, it's an occasion that evokes graces. Um, I, I could mention several, but the one, the foremost one is the grace of humility. We don't come by that easily, ladies and gentlemen. That's something that only difficulty seems to produce in us. It doesn't come natural for us. We're just kind of naturally high-minded. And so in this period of my soul is wobbling, oh yeah, yeah, it has a tendency to cut us down to size. And so a father that loves you intervenes in your life to rob you of that sense of peace so that there might be at least an occasion 
where we live meekly, where we walk humbly. There are other graces that are, that are evoked, but that's one of them. And that's another one of the reasons. Another reason. <clears throat> oh, guys. <laughs> another reason that God sees fit to rob us sometimes is to remind us of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I want to read you this. You, you don't need to turn there because it's really hard to find. It's in, the, it's in a minor prophet. Micah. Micah 7, 8, I think. Um, j- just, just listen to this, guys. Do not rejoice over me, my, oh, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Listen to that. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. There's a man who who is living in a period where it's pretty dark. And, and he seems to point to, um, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Guys, one of the things that God is up to by robbing his people or robbing you of your assurance is to remind you that sin is a big deal. We don't toy with it. We don't play around with sin. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, we, we, um, we get so accustomed to it that we don't even notice it much anymore. And so God steps in and remind, you know, for instance, guys, this is, this is drawn from my own diary, my own spiritual diary. Um, When's the last time you thought about a, an untamed tongue? You know that's serious, ladies and gentlemen. That untamed tongue that Jimmy Young has. And so th- there's a period where you forget how serious it is. And so God, God steps in and reminds you. It's not a small deal. That's a big deal. Stop it. He reminds us all of the seriousness, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. But all of this, ladies and gentlemen, all those three or four reasons that I gave you, all of this is designed ultimately to draw us to himself. To, um, to, to, to drag us out of that sense of carnality that comes second nature to us. And so he intervenes for a period, for a season, and stirs up the bottom of the pool, and there's all this <laughs> in our souls, all designed so that we might draw nigh. Um, you know, guys, nobody so values the light until you lived in darkness a good, uh, uh, for a time. And so God authors darkness. He authors a period where things are dark and there's an unsettledness to the soul. 
And when he's done, we really then appreciate the light. Um, you, don't, you, don't, you don't value a drink of water until you're, you've been deprived of something to drink for days. And then you, oh, this, this blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory. So that he can produce that. He, um, he steps in and robs us. Now, those are some of the reasons why God denies assurance to us, at least for a season. But let's focus for the rest of our time on the reasons why we forfeit it. <laughs> um, um, guys, in a word, <laughs> um, I, I guess this is more than one word. It's um, a loss of assurance is brought on by neglectful, sinful living. It should come as no surprise to us that one of the consequences of my um, trifling with my soul is that I'm struggling with the sins of assurance. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say this to you. If you are living and choosing um, to live in carnality, to not lose your assurance would frighten me. Because those two things don't coincide, ladies and gentlemen. They don't live side by side. Um, if you're, I mean, I, I don't know why I always pick on this, but if you have chosen to, um, I'll change it. If you've chosen to steal from your company, but you've got a great sense of your own assurance, something is badly wrong. Um, one of the things that, that leads to our forfeiture of a sense of settledness and peace is the way that we neglect our souls. Um, if you are here because you were drawn to this topic because you struggle with assurance, let me tell you that one of the reasons is you're trifling with your soul. Sin is a trifle. Um, spiritual things are a trifle. And it's no wonder. It's, um, it's one of the ways that we forfeit that sense of, you know, I guess the classic illustration is David's affair with Bathsheba. And you know he writes Psalm 51 as a statement of his own repentance. But in the midst of that, ladies and gentlemen, you know he says this. In Psalm 51, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's gone. And it left with Bathsheba. That's what sin will do, ladies and gentlemen. One of the 
one of the consequences of a neglectful, sinful living is that, um, oh, but Dr. Young, I just have such a struggle with assurance. Well, of course you do. Because um, that's one of the ways we forfeit. Here's another one. Um, I, I guess in some ways it's like that, but little growth. Little growth leads to little assurance. Weak leads to weak. We trifle over our souls. We neglect the scriptures. And then we are surprised that, um, that there's a consequence. The, the soul that is moving from one state of maturation to another is where you're going to find um, the most subtleness of soul. Um, let me mention this is another just um, another reason that we um, that we tend to forfeit this this prize of assurance is just the haunting influence of past sins of old sins. Guys, <clears throat> um, I, I hope you won't misunderstand me here. Um, Let me go back to David's affair with Bathsheba. Was there there a complete and utter forgiveness granted him upon his repentance? Of course there was. Um, this, This plea for forgiveness in Psalm 51 is granted fully, freely, et cetera, et cetera. But do you know what happens to him after He writes Psalm 51. You remember the rebellion of Absalom? Do you remember how his whole family absolutely falls apart? Do you remember that his son Absalom, who is a problem child anyway, ultimately comes to the place where he leads a rebellion and wants to kill his own father? Is, is David a restored, forgiven man? Oh, of course he is. Yes. Please don't misunderstand that. But there are, ladies and gentlemen, these, these, these lingering effects or consequences to my having chosen willfully to disobey God. Um, David is still struggling with his sin with Bathsheba years later. Um, Forgiveness, never a doubt. Forgiveness, never a question. Forgiveness is not what's at stake here, ladies and gentlemen. But there are consequences to our choosing to disobey. And I hope that's not new news to you. Um, <clears throat> guys, let, let me mention this. Um, let, me just, let me just read this to you so you don't need to. This is in Psalm 42 in case you. Um, 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 this is somewhat of a familiar passage. Um, but listen to this. The psalmist by the way, which is not David, 
Um, this is written by the sons of Korah, but they say this. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Do you see what that psalmist is experiencing right there, ladies and gentlemen? You know, I think I've told you this story before, but um, uh, when Susie and I first became Christians, the, the woman that preached the gospel the night that Susie and I became Christians was a woman by the name of Virginia Schmidt. It was in a little ministry in Fort Lauderdale, Florida called The Greenhouse. And, and um, um, we left there, went to seminary, and we would come back to Fort Lauderdale and see some friends. And one of the, on one occasion, we went to, I went to visit Virginia, Virginia Schmidt. And, and um, uh, we were sitting on our couch. I, I never forget it. And, and, and why this subject came up, I don't know. But she was talking about the one book of the Bible that if she was ever locked up and confined to a prison cell that she would want to take with her. And of course, I'm saying, well, you know, the one that I'd want, I'd, I'd want to take Romans with me. You know, that's the one I'd want you know, to refute all those, those, uh, those skeptics in the prison. Um, and Virginia Schmidt said this, and I thought at the time it was so odd, but she said, the book of the Bible that I want to take to prison with me is the book of Psalms. And it's for statements like this, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever been in the place where you say to your own soul, why are you cast down? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, part of the, 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 uh, the remedy for walking through and getting out of those things is that we talk to ourselves. And we say to our soul, soul, why is it that you were cast down? Is it, is it because I've trifled with sin? Is it because of um, that, I, that I have grown so poorly over the years? But, but the, the, the situation that this psalmist is describing is that God is requiring some Christians to wait. Wait for a long time until they can ultimately say, he has restored the joy of my salvation. What the, what the psalmist is saying is wait, hope, hang in there. Um, because God is, um, is performing a piece of surgery in us such that we'll be healthier after it's done. Gang, um, I, I know this sounds, um, I hope not trite, but um, in the midst of God doing these things in the life and the soul of the believer, the point is, he is not going to let you waste your life. He's not going to let you waste your life on trivia. And so in the, mid, when, in the midst of your pursuing the trivial, he will interrupt you. He will interrupt you in such a way that spiritual things become valuable and important to you all over again. And he will remind you of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And he will communicate to you that the situation that you, in which you find yourself has been brought on by your choosing to sin. And the thing that we so want, that quietude of soul, it's available. But it's not available if we continue to 
neglect our live neglecting trifling Christian lives where we toy with sin. He will either step in himself and um, produce a, 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 a circumstance that will bring you to your senses. Um, that's one way to lose it. The other way is that we simply make choices that we forfeit it. Um, invariably, my brother and sister in Christ, you choose to uh, live um, according to, you choose to disobey him. And one of the consequences I can assure you is we'll, we'll be a, an erosion somehow of your sense of peace and your sense of confidence in who you are and who he, um, and where you stand with him. It is inevitable. So, ladies and gentlemen, part of the explanation, part of the explanation of the why 99% of the people of God struggle. You just heard it. Let's quit. Our Father, I do pray that you'll remind us that um, you are serious about our sin, um, that we cannot choose to uh, toy with sin and then expect all of this um, rich uh, sweetness that, um, that you do intervene that you do step in and communicate your anger over our sinful choices. And then the soul quakes. Oh God, we long for that. um, We long for that restoration of the joy of our salvation. And to that end, Father, we commit ourselves to live lives that are um, emphatic about uh, spiritual health and um, very serious about walking in obedience. Father, would you, um, would you enable us by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to accomplish that? Would you, um, would you give us a sense of health that will augment and establish a great sense of our own enjoyment of eternal safety? Do that, Father. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.